Hello, and welcome to the third episode of the Mainland Advertiser podcast. I'm George Roberts, the Chief Reporter, and today I'm joined by our Marlowe reporter, Kieran Bell. Hiya. And our Bray reporter, Georgina Bishop. Hello. Thanks for coming, guys. Um, those of you that have listened previously may be wondering where Will is. Sadly, Will, um, Will has moved on from the Mainland Advertiser. He's got a great new job up in London, and we wish him all the best. He's a, he's a cracking reporter, and um, yeah, good, good luck, Will, in your, your new job. Today we're talking about magpies, um, not the bird, but our next door neighbour, Mainhead United Football Club. Uh, the club have announced that they are looking at a potential move away from York Road, the ground that they have called home since 1871, as they look to expand. They have been in positive discussions with the council over a potential move to Braywood Park, which is already home to Mainhead Rugby Club, Mainhead Athletic Club and various other sporting groups. Reaction so far has been mixed. Some people are pleased to see that the club is growing, but others are pretty upset that their team could be moving away from a place that means so much to them. So, um, Kieran, you've been to York Road to, to see the Magpies play. What's the atmosphere like when you, you know down on, in the ground? I have. I'd also played on York Road as well. Oh, um, yes, so you can forget. A, a couple of times there. Um, the atmosphere, yeah. For, for the big game, I was at I was at the Portsmouth game last year for the FA Cup, mm. um, and I thought the atmosphere was really really good. Um, obviously, they had some League One visitors, so um, I think you know when that when it when it's that sort of occasion, they do kind of pull in the crowds a little bit more. I haven't been there for too many league games myself, so I'm not I can't really comment on that. But um, yeah, the, the, this story it's, it's obviously divided divided opinion, hasn't it? Mm. Um, you've got people who are saying. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously got this great history, um, and it'll be really sad to sort of move on. Um, and then you've got the other people that are saying that, obviously, you know, they they, they need to move. You know, if they want to sort of go up in the leagues, maybe mm. get into into League Two potentially. I don't know what their ambitions are, but if they want to do that, then they're gonna they're gonna need some some better facilities. So it just depends sort of what what argument you're what side of the argument you're on, really. Yeah, I guess definitely. It's just to go through a bit of a, a, a background on on the club and on this story. The, the current ground uh, in York Road has a 4,000 people capacity. Most of that is standing room. There's about 500 seats in there. The men's and women's team, Maidenhead United, they're doing better than they have in their, in their entire modern history. The, the men's team are, um, are in the national conference um, and the women's team, <laughs> couldn't tell you where they are at the moment, but they're, they're doing really well and they're, they're drawing bigger and bigger crowds than ever before. Um, York Road Stadium is believed by the FA to be the oldest senior football ground continually used by the same club. And next year the club is supposed to be celebrating its 150th anniversary. So there's a lot going on there. I spoke to the chief executive of the football club, um, John Adams. He told me that the, the reason they're thinking about moving is because they're, they're growing as a club. They want to get bigger. They're obviously, they have been moving up the leagues. Who knows if they're going to get promoted to League Two anytime soon. They're, I know they've had a couple of, of tough seasons, but they're they're hanging into the um, on in the in the Conference League, and and they're, and they're doing okay. But in order to to continue growing, they may well need to to move to a bigger ground. I saw something um, interesting on social media. A lot of people have been chatting about this on social media from a um, advertiser legend, Graham Copus, a <laughs> former sports editor who's extremely knowledgeable about um, well, just all all sports in the area, and he he kind of. Um, put in a point of view that I hadn't really considered uh, beforehand. Uh, he said, it's getting crowded down there, talking about Braywick Park. Um, imagine a Saturday, Saturday afternoon with both rugby and football clubs at home, plus leisure centre traffic. 
because of course we've got the uh, 33 meter Braywick leisure center being built there it's going to be a lot of a lot of stuff in in the area um, I mean what do, you, what do you think Kieran is it is it going to be too much I, I think it, it, it might potentially be too much yeah obviously that there's so much going on there mm -hmm. at the moment you know, there's a massive multi-million pound leisure center mm -hmm. that you mentioned um, I suppose if if they were to move they, they would maybe try and maybe do it so the, the rugby team were at home when Maidenhead United were away and, and do it like that. It's, it's really difficult because um, the, the, the York Road Stadium is obviously just rich in history mm. um, and some people just don't want to lose that but then you know, s sometimes things come to an end but um, is this the right location I think is, is the question some people are, are mm. asking. Georgina what, what are your thoughts on them? Well not knowing too much about football <laughs> but um, I was speaking to someone the other week and they, they were talking about West Ham moving to a new stadium and he, the guy, was a huge supporter and he was saying what a bad move that was mm. and it's just not the same anymore but um, I'm not sure, um, obviously it would be York Road move would be a smaller stadium I imagine but I went to only one um, football match ever, which was Liverpool versus Newcastle a few months ago, and that was at Anfield. And I think the ground's always been there, but it's amazing, and it's really been, I think, probably expanded. And That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's really great, because George is a Liverpool fan. And you can see what a ground means to a club, and the atmosphere there was great, but I think it's difficult, because I don't think there is the room um, at York Road to expand, which m it makes it hard. You can't keep the, he the heritage and the history and have maybe a better facility. So it's, it's you know having that balance and seeing what's best and I think yeah it'll be interesting to see what the fans have to say on Monday's meeting yeah yeah so see maybe what comes out of that I think um, our sports reporter Dan Darlington is going to that so That's right, yeah yeah the, the club are holding a meeting uh, for the for fans to come along and ask their questions and I think Georgina you raise a really good point the fans have a very very special connection with the club and that is kind of rooted in the stadium if the club's been playing at the same stadium for mm. nearly 150 years that them that's kind of probably a part of their you know a part of their club it's a part of, of, their, of their fandom mm. it's, it's one of the reasons why they love the club and so the thought of moving to a new stadium is probably very very difficult to um, to really think about to really consider mm. as, a, as a good idea I thought these are the two sides of the argument you know on the one hand there's people saying this is our home we, we you, you can't tear us away this is where our, our heart and soul is but also if the club wants people want the club to get bigger and better and this may be the only solution it's yeah. a, it's not a big a big area of land obviously mm. is right in the town centre which means that there's no room to, to expand but yeah it, it's worth mentioning that this is all just um, mm. just discussions at the moment no move has been um, has been arranged um, it's, it's just just talks um, it's just something that the club are considering and the council are, are kind of in talks with them uh, with that it's going to be um, discussed further at a cabinet meeting in in December but moving on uh, from from this <laughs> from this issue onto another really big story in Maidenhead this week, a man who is uh, part of the world's biggest steroids gang. Um, this is an illegal illegal gang. Uh, has been jailed for six years. He he lived in Maidenhead. Kieran, um, not Kieran, no. Not no. It's not <laughs> Kieran. <laughs> no, it's not Kieran. Kieran um, took a trip down to the old Bailey to last week. Was it? Uh, yeah, it was last yeah, Thursday. Last Thursday to have a look at this. Um, Kieran, why don't you kind of take us through the details of this story? Uh, yeah, so this this broke sort of um, a few months ago, sort of in July. Um, they were meant to be sentenced back then. Basically, long story short, this is a group of um, five men um, in total um, who were part of the world's biggest steroids gang, according to the National Crime Agency. Um, basically, what 
what um and so what, one of one of the members is from Maidenhead. Yes, right? so one of the members is from Maidenhead, one's from Dorney and the other is from Slough as well. Um and the other two are one slightly off patch in Mumbai. Um, <laughs> and there's another <laughs> one in Circle. Um, but so, um, so the guy from Maidenhead is it Nathan? Nathan Selcon okay. um, is from Maidenhead, as you can see on page three in this week's paper. <laughs> um, the Dorney man was not sentenced when I went because of health reasons, but um, Nathan Selcon got jailed for six years um, for his part in this in this steroids gang. And basically, what they did is there was a man called Jacob Sporan Fiedler who was based in Mumbai, and he worked. He was a CEO of Indian-based company Alpha Pharma, um, and he basically distributed. Um, the, these these steroids into the UK and imported them into the UK um, and that's where Cellcon would be to sort of help distribute them out and sell them um, and he's, he'd also help help out in purpose-built labs where they'd make these um, th these drugs as well and they'd make tens of millions of pounds worth of profit on the black market for these wow. um, so yeah the, this this gang yeah that they, they made a lot of money um, yeah that they, they knew what they were doing and the judge I went to the case last Thursday and the judge said this was sophisticated it was exceptionally large, um, and if it had carried on, it, it, it would have been bad. So it is really good they've managed to, to, to crack down on this. Obviously, some people are saying it's not long enough. Mm. Um, they've himself and got six years, of which he'll only serve half if he is um, He's well behaved, behaved, yeah. behaved as well. Um, and the man from Slough, um, if I can just remember his name, it was Mohammed Afsal. Um, he only got two years, so he'll only be out, he'll be out in one year if he behaves well. So you could argue that these that these um, sentences aren't as strong as what some people might, um, might, might think they should be. In the, in the Old Bailey, what, what was it like? What was the atmosphere like? And did you, yes. did you see um, Nathan Selcon? Oh, I did, yeah. So I um, managed to uh, navigate the tube um, <laughs> on my way there. And actually, I was, I was sat down sort of waiting for the court to start. And um, this man sort of appeared with a, with a, with a, big, a big sort of bag on his back, um, sort of nearly as tall as him. Um, I didn't clock straight away that it was actually Nathan Selcon, but... Obviously, he knew he was going to be going away for a few years, so he he, he come prepared. Um, but um, but yeah, this this was a huge a huge conspiracy worth millions and millions of pounds. And um, yeah, two of the men were from Maidenhead, so it is suddenly sort of very local from our point of view. And whereabouts in Maidenhead did he live? Um, it's Oldwood Road. Oldwood Road. Just yeah. Imagine thinking just someone mm. such a such a large kind of scale criminal living living in our midst. I know you just never know, do you? But um, but yeah, no, it was huge, and um, obviously. A good story for us as well, um, but obviously, most importantly, good that they've been brought down. Yeah, they've been seen justice, and yeah, the one other who from Dorney who was not not well enough to be to be sentenced is that right? I'm, yes. I think that will be at some point in the near future he'll be yeah. sentenced. Um, That's Alexander McGregor. He um, from Dorney. He'll be <coughs> Dorney. He'll be sentenced next year, I believe. Okay. So in a few months' time, I'd imagine. Great. Thank you for filling us in on that. Mm. Um, and finally, the third story we're going to be looking at. Um, this week, we always like to try and end the podcast with a bit of an uplifting story because it's just so much doom and gloom these days. Uh, but we've got a really nice one about some former Thomas Cook employees who've managed to get their jobs back. Georgina, this is one of your stories. Do you mind filling us in on what the, what's been going on? Yes, I went down to um, former Thomas Cook store, now Hayes Travel, and met with Dan Churchill and Reese Thomas, and they told me how sort of a month after, or not even a month after, um, Thomas Cook went into liquidation on the 23rd of September. By the 21st of October, they were back in the store, but um, as Hayes Travel employees, because um, on October 9th, um, Hayes Travel bought all 550 Thomas Cook stores, just the units, and um, 
said to all employees that have lost their jobs if they were still without work that they were welcome to come back on board and work for Hayes Travel and yeah it was really heartwarming. You could see how touched and how much working together um, for Thomas Cook meant to Dan and Reese. and then they were a team of six and they were brought back with another part-time employee um, but three of the other employees that worked there found work so um, yeah really positive story really nice feel-good story um, for Maidenhead as well so they've still got a travel agent on the high street so yeah it's really nice. Great I mean obviously you went down there to speak to them yourself what how you know how were they were they they must have been pretty pretty jovial mood yeah they were really they're really happy and also they seem like such nice guys so um you felt like it couldn't have happened to sort of two nicer people really and also just so nice to think that they are two of potentially thousands of employees if there's 550 stores and if there was only you know two people from each store that wanted to come back that you know when they felt like Dan said it felt like a bereavement, they were family, to have that brought back to you and you think that this is never going to turn around and then it did thanks to Hayes Travel, sort of um, Maidenhead residents been popping their heads around saying it's so nice to have you back and there will be new branding um, to the store by January I think 20th but they have to obviously rebrand re 550 stores so it's quite a lot of work to do so yeah not there yet and they're also going to be employing six people which is great news for the town as well. So look out um, on social media for um, what they're doing. I think it's, yeah, Hayes Travel Maidenhead on Facebook and Instagram. I think they probably will promote their um, um, employment drive on there. So, yeah. Very exciting. Mm. I mean, it's always sad to see, you know, businesses closing down in the town. Mm. And, you know, people who, who like, who trust, you know, the shops. A lot of people don't like booking holidays online or you know over the phone or whatnot people like going into the shop so it's good that there are more options now for yeah. them and, and obviously these these two these two guys Dan and Reese, seem like really really good honest mm. hard workers and yeah. you know they've they're back you know they've, they've got their livelihoods back yeah and um yeah and they you know they described how sort of heartbreaking it was to go to the job center and mm. you know having a job although we all moan about our jobs um you know it does give you a sense of purpose to wake up every day and just to have that taken away from you literally overnight at 2am you find out with the rest of the world that Thomas Cook's gone you know collapsed that's not a very nice way to find out um, and Dan actually said that he stood outside the store four days after the closure they were locked out of the store just trying to help any Thomas Cook really? yeah customers so that's you know his dedication and he, he did he was approached by Tui he had a job in Reading but he obviously loves working in the town and thought that what Hayes Travel had to offer was you know, a great prospect and he left that position to come back. So yeah, a great, great feel-good story. Oh, that's great. Good. Good. Mm. Guys. Yeah. yeah, well done Dan and Reese, and uh, yeah, good job Hayes Travel for, for keeping two, mm. two great characters in the town. Yeah. Um, well, thanks guys, that's all for this week. Um, thank you very much for dropping in and, and having a chat. No uh, <laughs> remember all these stories and many, many more are available to read on our website, or you could even pick up a newspaper um, <laughs> from a local news vendor. Um, thank you, Kieran. Thank you, Georgina. No worries. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. See you later.